the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. Well, I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. If you were not here last week, we started a brand new series going through the book of Nehemiah. I want you to take your Bibles and let's read through some of the story in Nehemiah chapter 2. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I, Nehemiah, took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. And the last line in verse 2 says, I was very much afraid. Now, why was he afraid? Well, because in the presence of a Persian king, servants like Nehemiah were expected to be polite. They were expected to be courteous. You were never to show emotion And certainly you were never to ask the king any questions. That could cost you not just your job, that could cost you your life. Well, he's been praying for four months for God to open up a door, an opportunity to talk to the king, and all of a sudden the king is now talking to him. Yes, he's afraid. Again, you would never ask the king any questions. Certainly you would never ask the king for vacation time. It's an easy way to get your head chopped off, which leads me to ask you this question. Is there anything in your life right now that you're afraid of? And I'm not talking about insects like a spider or a bug, but something that God has called you to do or something that God has called you to be, whether to become a Christian, to be baptized, to follow God with all of your heart. Is there anything that you're afraid of? I would tell you that Nehemiah was afraid because He knew that following God's will could cost him his life. He was risking everything. He was afraid. Look at verse 3. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. You know what that is? Long live the king. May the king live forever. And then he answers, why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And verse 4 says, the king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. Mid-sentence, mid-conversation, he prays. 
The king Artaxerxes says, Nehemiah, what is it you want? Nehemiah prayed, and then he answered the king. Look at verse 5. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, Jerusalem, where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me. So I set a what? Time. Now, if it were me, I would have said, thank you, king, and I'd been out the door. But that's the what Nehemiah, he stays, he keeps asking more questions. He's not done asking the king for favors. Look at verse 7. I also said, hey, there's one more thing. There's one more thing. If it pleases the king, could I have like uh, some letters on your stationery to the governors of the trans-Euphrates? That's that area up there between the two rivers, the uh, Mesopotamia. Uh, in other words, what he's asking here is, I need a passport. And he says there in verse 7, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that the, they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. Verse 8, and there's one more thing. Can I have a letter to Asaph? He's the keeper of your forest. So he will just give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city walls. Oh, and there's one more thing. I'd like to build build a house that I'll be living in. And verse 8 says, And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governor of the trans-Euphrates and gave him the king's letters. This story is so amazing, I don't even know where to begin. Number one, write this down. When God opens up a door, walk through that door. God showered favor upon Nehemiah. And Nehemiah walks through that door. You know what that's called? That's called faith. Faith is following God's plan Even when you don't know how it's going to turn out, if God gives you that opportunity, take advantage of that opportunity and know that God's going to be with you. Now, let me tell you three things you need when the door opens up. Number one is prayer. He said, then I pray to the God of heaven. It's very obvious to me When you study the book of Nehemiah, that Nehemiah was a prayer warrior. He prayed, we talked about this last week. He prayed in chapter 1 for an an open door. In chapter 2, as soon as the door opens, the very first thing that he does when God answers his prayer is to pray again. And notice he didn't pray to a statue. He didn't pray to a candle. He didn't pray to the Persian gods. He prayed to the God of heaven the living God of this universe. Prayer is entering into the presence of God. Prayer is walking into the throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Prayer is taking our burdens to the one who truly cares. Prayer is standing or kneeling on what's called holy ground. Uh, Prayer is communicating with the creator God of the universe, the one who spoke the world into existence Prayer is bringing your hurts and your heartache and your pain to the God of all comfort. Prayer is crying out to the one who is the rock in the midst of the storm. Prayer 
Prayer is communing with the only one that can save your soul. Prayer is touching the one that loves us unconditionally. Prayer is bringing all of your questions to the one person who has all the answers in life. Prayer is reaching out to the God who never sleeps and never tires and he's never afraid and he's never surprised. Prayer is connecting our lives with the all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful God who cares. God opens up that door. He answers Nehemiah's prayer. And the first thing that Nehemiah does is he prays again. And we should do the same. Number two, write this down. He prays and then he has these plans that he's been, these, these plans are well thought out. Don't forget he's been thinking about this for four months. He's a man of faith. He knows that God's going to answer his prayer. So when the king asks, what is your plan? Oh, he's ready to go. He lays out a timeline. He clearly articulates how long he'll be gone. He knows he asked for these letters to the governors, letters for timber, letters for supplies, letters for a passport. He needs the blessing to build his house, to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem, and he needs the king's blessing. And more than anything else, write this down, besides praying and besides having some good plans, oh, you need the power of Almighty God upon you. He said, because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. This is a great truth. Now watch this. Anytime God's hand opens up a door for you, As you walk through that door, God's hand will also be upon you as you walk through that door. Whether you're trying to lead a ministry or volunteer or lead a life group or maybe you need to finish school or maybe you're trying to learn a new trade or maybe you're trying to witness to a friend at work. Maybe you'd like to go on a missions trip one day and you say, Lord, if you could just open the door. Listen, anytime God opens up the door, as you walk through that same power that opened the door will be with you as you walk through that door. Don't ever doubt that the God of this universe who put the stars and moon in place, who holds the universe in the palm of his hand, does not have power enough to help you in any situation you face in this life. One of my favorite lines in this whole chapter that most people just skip right over, Nehemiah's been praying for four months that God would open up the door. God finally opens up that door, and Nehemiah has a conversation with King Artaxerxes. He prays. He lays out his plans. He asks for letters, supplies for the king's blessing, and he asks for time off. And not only does King Artaxerxes give him everything he asked for, look at the last line of verse 9. The Bible says the king also sent his army officials and cavalry with me. He didn't even ask for those things. Not only does God provide the passports, not only does God provide the provisions, he provides protection. That reminds me of Ephesians 3, verse 20, that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ever ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us. Nothing is sadder than a believer who fails to understand that with God all things are possible. And nothing is more joyous than a believer who always remembers that with God all things are possible. 
And then we come to our second major point, write this down. God opens that door, have faith to walk through that door. Can someone say amen? But realize that there will always be those who oppose the work of God. And you need to circle the word always. There will always be those who oppose the work of God. We have these three fellows, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. And the Bible says that these three guys ridiculed and mocked us. There will always be those who oppose the work of God. In our book, I just want you to know, we're going to study these. These are three troublemakers. And we're going to study these three troublemakers later. Because they keep showing up in chapter 2. They show up in chapter 4. They show up in chapter 6. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we not appreciate? Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. But every time God's work is being done, critics come out of the woodwork. It's always amazing to me that the church exists for the purpose of glorifying God. And you would think the whole world would be in support of the church. We exist to help people in their addictions, to feed the poor, to visit the sick, to give people hope, to serve the community. Churches are the one that supports missions and teaches young people how to live godly lives. Churches help men broken marriages. Churches care for the least of these. Churches run the homeless shelters. You would think the world would clap for us and say, kudos, thank you for doing such a great job. Instead, the church is mocked, it's ridiculed, it's marginalized, it's criticized. We're deemed non-essential. And I'll say this again, anytime you attempt to do anything great for God, you're going to face opposition. But oftentimes, it's not the people outside the church that derail you. It's the people inside the church that criticize you and write nasty letters. I've get, you, don't, you don't know this, but every week, I've been here for over 30 years. There has not been a week gone by that I don't get some letter of criticism from somebody. Letters from people who don't go to this church that, that, that criticize us, I, I don't know why, this just doesn't bother me. But it's the people that are inside the church who somehow forget, I mean, they're here, they see the thousand things that we do right. And there's one little thing that they don't like, you get the letter. It's so silly, we know the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, yet sometimes those inside the church help oppose the work of God. We'll see that in a couple weeks. My last point, as we're getting ready to wrap this sermon up, realize there will always be those who oppose the work of God. But do what Nehemiah did, which you'll read through this story. Nehemiah doesn't quit. He just keeps doing the work. He keeps being faithful. He keeps trusting in God. If God has called you to do something, know that you'll be those who oppose you. Don't worry about the opposition. Keep your eyes on God. Keep trusting in God and do the work that God has called you to do. Look at verse 11 and 12. I want to read the rest of this. I went to Jerusalem. Hey, he finally got there. Let's give him a hand. He, he got there. He was so tired when he got there, he had to check in the Holiday Inn for three days. 
Verse 12, I set out during the night with a few men. He had a couple guys with him. He says, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart. Who put it in his heart to do all this? God put it in his heart. I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on, whether it was a donkey or horse. That's all he had was just the one ride there. And then it says, verse 13, by night he went out through the valley gate during the jackal well, toward the jackal well, and the dung gate. You'll find that they had all these gates, and they they all have names, and uh, there's a reason why they all have their names. The dung gate, you can figure out why it was called the dung gate. The dunga, all the walls around, that was the place you went to take all the garbage. And you just dumped it outside that gate, so it's called the dung gate. So does that make sense? Well, you'll study all this as we go through this. It says that he went towards the, the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem. He was looking at the situation, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. I want you to write this down, if you would. Follow God's plan, but always understand the challenge. There's nothing wrong with having this thought, this is going to be difficult. This is not going to be easy. I think most things that God calls us to do is challenging in some way or another. But we know if God has opened up this door, as we walk through that door, that God's going to be with us. Amen? So look at verse 14 again as we close. I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool. There's not enough room. I couldn't even get my horse through it. It, The the wall was so messed up, I couldn't even get my horse through that area. Verse 15, so I went up the valley by night, examining the wall, and finally I turned back. I had to re-enter through the valley gate. That's where he started. He's surveying the challenge. He's thinking, "This this is worse than what I imagined. But notice he doesn't quit. He doesn't get discouraged. He's not disappointed. And you'll see the next thing that he does, write this down. He finds other people who will help him. Oh, God's called him to this, and now he's trying to gather other people to actually help him. It's one of the greatest qualities of a leader is someone who can gather other people to help out in a task that seems impossible. But with a team of committed people, all things are doable. Amen. Now look at verse 16. We're going we're gonna to read the rest of this. Watch this. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had not said anything to the Jews. I hadn't said anything to the priest. I hadn't said anything to the nobles or to the officials or any others who would be doing the work. They hadn't been told yet. But here it is in verse 17. Then I said to them... You see the trouble that we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And we will no longer be in disgrace. And verse 18 says, And I told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. And they all replied, Let us start rebuilding. And the Bible says, so they began this good work. Oh, you should circle that line. They began to rebuild, and they said they began this good work. I want you to know, hear me out. Everything we do here at this church is a good work. 
we are doing the work of God here at this church. Do we have those that oppose us? Oh, at every turn. I want you to write these last two points down. Be prepared for criticism. You're going to get it. But know that God will grant you success. Amen. Let's read the last two verses. Here are these termites showing up in verse 19. Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and they ridiculed us. What do you guys think you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? And I answered them by saying, the God of heaven, you can criticize us all you want, but the God of heaven will give us success. We are his servants. We will start rebuilding. As for you, you naysayers, you'll have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. You know what that reminds me of? All the people that are criticizing the church of Jesus Christ, just keep it up. When Jesus Christ comes back, he's coming back for the church, and you're going to be on the outside looking in at that time. That's the same thing happening there. Now, in a sense, this is so applicable to us. Because of COVID-19, we're basically rebuilding here. We're starting over. This is all foreign to us. We were running about 10,000 people in church right before COVID hit. 10,000. We can't, we can't find enough volunteers. We can't find enough people to work in the children's department. We can't find enough people to help with decision counseling. We can't find enough people to host life group. This is, this is really, really strange to us. But we're starting over. But I'll tell you what, we're doing a good work. And I believe that God will grant us success. And Next week, I challenge you, read chapter 3, see if you get anything out of it, but you're going to see all the people who, who signed up to work on that wall. There was one person standing next to another person, stood next to another person, stood next to another person, and each person just kind of did their own work, what God called them to do, and together, God rebuilt that wall. And that's the same thing God's going to do here at this church. Let us let us rebuild. And so they began a good work. And who's that around the corner complaining? Sam Ballot, Tobiah, and Geshem. We'll see those three scoundrels later. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. 
That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Deep in the heart of every believer, there's a faint whisper, a call, a prompting. We go about our business and we hear it. We see and interact with lost people every day. And the whisper echoes again for us to share our faith and tell others about Jesus. And yet, we still resist. In his latest book, Compelled, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shares his earnest desire for each and every believer to be equipped with the good news of salvation. He encourages you with inspiring stories of men and women, young and old, who have accepted the irresistible call to share Jesus with everyone they meet. And he provides practical methods to overcome your fears and effectively articulate the message of salvation. Thousands of readers have already taken advantage of this incredible book, and now it's here for you. Compelled, the irresistible call to share your faith can be yours right now for a gift of $15 or more to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. It's as easy as calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get Compelled, the irresistible call to share your faith on our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover for yourself the strength that awaits inside you to speak boldly to others of how Jesus Christ has changed your life forever. Don't hesitate. Call us right now and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's latest book, Compelled, The Irresistible Call to Share Your Faith, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at the same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.